not happened for an age. What's that? Tis a gathering. Hello and welcome to Endmoot, the Battle Games in Middle-Earth podcast, all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. I'm Harry, this is episode 47 of the podcast, and I know it's been a long time since the last one, but we're very excited about today's podcast because there's loads of cool stuff to get into. And um, I apologise in advance if you're not an Easterling fan, um, but uh, I'm following the news agenda at the moment because uh, Easterlings are very much on hype, we're all excited, there's going to be a new book soon. And literally, as I just went to start recording this uh, this exciting, exciting episode, some new Easterling heroes emerged for the Middle-Earth strategy battle game. So um, this podcast is going to be all about Easterlings. Um, there's going to be a couple of bits and bobs that have been recorded before the Easterling uh, heroes were announced. So um, apologies in advance for those sort of feeling perhaps uh, slightly off kilter. But um, hopefully, hopefully it'll still all feel like one kind of big topic at the very least. So we've got some uh, lengthy chat later with Dan Stewart, another uh, Easterling fan, um, and from the Drawn Combat blog as well. So if you've uh, never checked that out, I really would recommend it. This is a blog that they, they deal with loads of different things. There's army reviews, and there's kind of tournament reviews, and there's list building, and there's beautiful, beautiful painting, particularly from uh, Dan, it must be said, although the rest of uh, the blog is filled with absolutely glorious stuff. But yeah, absolutely, uh, Dan Stewart is uh, is a big Easterling fan. So uh, we'll hear more about uh, what we're talking about later is is kind of list building in, in some way, shape, or form. So that'll be kind of my uh, build me an army section. I also have a little bit of a friendly game. I wanted to get my sort of eye back in after over a month uh, break from uh, gaming, really, uh, over the Christmas period. So we've got a game later as well, so we'll hear about that one as well. Um, But first, let's get into uh, some of this uh, news, I suppose. Uh, Outriders bring news uh, because it's fresh off the presses. Um, So let's get stuck in, and I want to have a talk about the new heroes that have been announced. Obviously, the uh, Dragon Emperor hero has been teased. Um, We don't know anything about that one yet. But we have been told about Rutabi and Brogir. This is exciting. Rutabi, General of the Dragon Legion, and Brogir, the Conjurer. Uh, so two models, uh, two kind of captain-level models we're ex- sort of expecting, although it sounds like one of them's going to be better than the other. So, first of all, um, let's go into Rutabi, um, who... Um, is it Rutabi? Watabi? It sounds a bit like a source, but anyway, Rutabi it sounds really cool. Um, we've got... Um, essentially the exceptional fighter, this is all from the Warhammer community website, um, who commands the assault on Erebor from the front and will show no mercy to any who stand in her way. So this is exciting. This is, I think, the first female model um, in in a long time who certainly wasn't... Um, uh, wasn't already in the story, uh, as it were. So I think the last one would have been Frida Tallspear, who was invented, of course, as well, and um, she fits in really nicely. And Easterlings are a perfect opportunity to uh, to fit in some um, female representation. So that's cool. Um, we've got Rutabi, who uh, is a apparently truly exceptional warrior. Fight value six, three attacks, three wounds, and three might points. Um, it doesn't say anything about fate, so I'm guessing um, she's probably going to be uh, low on the fate side of things. And it doesn't really. Uh, go into a great deal of detail into in terms of the rest of the things but it does give you one hint that uh, you've got an 
Master of Battle 3 plus special rules. So not quite a goth mog tier, but better than um, uh, some, uh, you know, some some of the uh, Dale and so not Dale Erebor people. So that's exciting. So we've got three plus Master of Battle, which is massive for uh, Easterlings. I, I mean, I've I've long bemoaned the lack of might in the Easterling army. Yeah, it's great that you can um, win some uh, win some stuff back, you know, through blood and glory, but having a master of battle just just allows you to be a bit more i suppose a bit more cautious with your heroes and it kind of means you know you're not risking anything to um to spend that uh, to gain that might back which uh, you know uh, anytime you risk anything you're opening yourself up for uh, a disaster i suppose so this is really exciting so uh, copying um copying the uh, uh, mites and the heroic moves that's really cool um, i must say the the model is <laughs> I don't want to say it's bad, but um, it's not inspiring or conjuring any great kind of excitement in me. It looks cool enough. I mean, the shield is pretty epic, um, and it's got like a kind of black dragon motif that's kind of the dragon's eating its tail, or is it a snake eating its tail? I don't know. Uh, in it, that's really cool. It's an awesome shield. Um, only uh, only downside of this hero is that there's no uh, mounted option by the look of it, um, so it's just a foot model. And yeah, it looks all, it looks it looks fine. I mean, I'll get it, and because I like the Easterling aesthetic, I'm not. I, I don't think it's as kind of beautiful as as the acolytes certainly are, or or any of the other sort of existing models. But nice solid addition to the army um, uh, in terms of its the gap that it's filling. I think um, just having the potential for an extra three points of might with Master of Battle is big. I don't. It, I guess it depends how expensive it is. Um, if she's in the region of sort of a hundred and something points or more, then it might be too much. If it's eighty points, yes, we're on to a winner. Uh, I think one of the, well, I'd love an eighty-point hero that's sort of around the same level as a dragon knight on horse. And then you're kind of thinking, oh, do I want this three might hero who's got master of battle, who's perhaps not as killy in combat but still good, um, or do I want a dragon knight who's um, you know perhaps got a bit more killing potential but a lot more flimsy um although it doesn't say how many how much fate um this rutabi has um i'm expecting one fate i'd have thought so you know not going to be amazingly resilient but still that's pretty exciting so so there we go we've got one hero one easterling hero to talk about um what do you think uh what do you think they describe your your feelings let me know entmootpodcast at gmail.com if you have any ideas um for whether it's going to be good or whether she's going to be bad or not um Oh yeah, there's another one. Sorry, there's another special rule I'd, I'd completely missed that I'd forgotten about. Um, she, it says she has a show no mercy special rule, rule which allows her to re-roll fail to wound rolls against enemy models that are trapped. Positioning is key. If she traps an important enemy model in combat, their demise is all but ensured. So I'm guessing that she's going to be strength four um, or maybe strength three. Um, if she, hopefully she's strength four. Um, but either way, that's a cool rule. Um, it. it I like that it's not handing um, handing her a, an auto kind of bonus to wound. I mean, lots of Easterling um, detractors say Easterlings really need some kind of bonus to, to wound rolls for the troops themselves. Um, I, I'm not convinced that's as necessary as people seem to always think, but I love that there's something here that go, you know what, if you've got 
the right kind of attitude if you're going to break you're willing to break phalanx you're going to get her out um and get it get some traps on then you're doing a good thing and I, I really like that it encourages a different style of play um but it also creates a situation where you're like well do i want her standing at the front of my pike block with two pikes behind her um which would be pretty good if you got fight six and um uh, three attacks plus two pikes is pretty good but now you're kind of given this other idea we're going Ooh. so do i want her in the pipe block or do i want her sort of uh, wandering around the flanks and um you know perhaps being a bit more of a flanking force the master of battle implies that you want her in the middle but the flanking force rule it just means that i, I feel like the may, maybe it's uh maybe it's um yeah maybe it just makes you think a bit more which is really cool and um, next let's move on to the other other model this is Brogir. um and i must say Brogir looks pretty cool um it's got the traditional foot on a rock pose which i like that's um i, I think there's quite a few of those but it doesn't matter i love the pose uh foot on rock uh hand up kind of in a um fist kind of looking uh, looking at your hands doing some magic kind of thing so the uh, um, as if you're kind of gripping the power uh, of the dragon magic or whatever it is that they're, they're going for uh, it's a really cool model actually I like this a lot more than the other one um, but either way very nice very nice model uh, both nice uh, both nice because let's be honest Easterlings just look cool um, and the paint jobs are really good um, so yeah it's worth noting um, so let's move on to what the war uh, the war priest has got um, so it's got let me just scroll down uh, so he's got fury and blade wrath as normal though I hope and imagine blade wrath might be uh, hopefully there will still be two and three plus to pa- uh, get them that's good um, but Brogir also has two other magical powers including enchanted blades and tremor now this is an interesting one so you've got blade wrath which makes you strength six and you've got enchanted blades which allows you to re-roll wounds so i guess some options are better than others in certain circumstances so i guess if you've got amda for example in your army um and you uh, are just going against i don't know something like defense five or something um then fight strength six isn't going to be that useful but um but uh, an enchanted blades might be. I, I, I'm trying to think of a the defense five is probably a bad example. But either way, uh, strength defense four is probably better. Um, so yeah, your defense six is not going to be not that amazing or not that useful. But enchanted blades may well be really useful in that circumstance, or um, even on a clutch sort of um, you know model who's trapping um, someone and you can just enchant one of your. Um, warriors or or an acolyte or something like that that would be quite cool and then tremor now tremor i don't think it's really ever used i'm trying to think which other magical uh, caster has tremor but i can't for the life of me think what it was i think it's one of the um one of the war uh, like the moria goblin priests but i can't i uh, can't think what it is um either way uh, you sort of knock people over in a line so I, it's not used very often maybe because it's um a nice kind of new a new model and and you know i've got maybe if it's a different kind of um uh, pa- spell re- god what am i trying to say the dice roll if it's a good if it's a good enough roll if it's on like a four plus or something like that then maybe it'd be worth it um but i can't re- really remember what tremor's good for i guess it'd be really handy to flank again and knock down a line and have your pikes charge a load of knocked over people but um we shall see that's this is cool i, li- I like this um it's got another thing it says um is sorceress adept special rule um so he's got a, another special rule for casting which means if you roll a natural six when making a casting test you gain a point of will back 
so that's really cool um uh it's also got five will points as it is so i guess on five five dice rolling you might get a six not that often but you know if you get a six it sounds like you're kind of on average getting around six points of will which is pretty good for um for an easterling caster which is really nice so there you go and that's the the two additions to the Eastling army. I must say, uh, they've been long awaited, uh, certainly in my book. Um, having an extra model with the extra might and the Master of Battle is going to be huge. Really looking forward to slotting that into my force. Um, no release date yet for any of these guys, but either way, um, uh, and gals, let's be honest, um, let's be fair. So either way, yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting Ritabi in uh, in particular. She's just looking ace. Um, the War Priest, I don't know, the model looks nice, but the uh, uh, the perhaps the rules wise it's not as nice vice versa with Rutabi but either way it's cool that we've got some new Eastling heroes and I cannot wait for the next stage of the release we've got some uh, Eastling books coming well Defence of the North I know there's other stuff in it but I just think if it is the Eastling supplement if I'm completely honest so I'm looking forward to that and of course I will keep you up to date and follow that as the time comes I think last time I spoke on this podcast I hadn't yet released um, all of my Easterling content on Battle Games for Middle Earth YouTube channel. So uh, if you haven't encountered that and maybe you only listen to the uh, the podcast, do go out and check that out. I uh, had a lot of great feedback about that um, that uh, uh, battle report I did there um, with um, Harry and Tim. So yeah, please do check that out. And the same with the Alessio Cavatori interview, which I've put on my YouTube channel recently. Uh, Alessio is one of the uh, big names of the uh, Warhammer world, really. And um, he co-wrote the early editions of the game and um wrote the two towers and so on um all by himself so yeah uh, well worth um having listened to that as well uh, on the old uh, youtube it's uh yeah it's really cool cool interview right now okay so um let's uh, we're going to build an army in a bit um with dan stewart from the drawn combat blog but first it's time for riddles of the dark Yes, this is the part of the podcast where we listen to a clip from the films and we try and guess who speaks next and what they say. It also gives me an opportunity to delve into the inbox here on uh, the battle, uh, the sorry, uh, the Entmoot podcast at gmail.com in email inbox so let's let's do just that um so sometimes it's mostly about the riddle sometimes it's a bit about everything so let's try and find out so first of all uh, let's hear what the uh, last episode's riddle was it has been a while right yeah okay so we that's what we're going for so who speaks next and what do they say? Let's delve into the inbox because I can't remember at all um, who's right. So let's have a look. Uh, Darren Dickinson says, Hi Harry, uh, the riddle was a difficult one. We can hear the angry Sauron noises. So I tried to think of all the times Frodo puts on the ring, but it wasn't any of those. I thought it might be Aragorn looking into the Palantir, but it wasn't that either. I was about to give up when I realised there's another scene with Sauron mumbling in it. So I hope I'm right in saying it's dot 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 so yes i believe you are correct this rings a bell in my mind uh well done darren um, i'm gonna say that you're right even though i might come back and take that away from you in a few minutes time let's find out uh from sam hoodie who's also been in touch he says 
Uh, hi, uh, hi, mate. Uh, shame we didn't get to pit the Fellowship of the Ring against the Ruffian Hordes at Not Throne of Skulls, but maybe in the future. Um, yes, uh, Sam's talking about Not Throne of Skulls, where I took my thousand points of Ruffians. Uh, I, I did have a chat with him briefly at the weekend, um, but uh, sadly didn't get a chance to play uh, play as Fellowship of the Ring, which would have been a really interesting game. I don't know. I don't know how the Fellowship would have coped against so many um, ruffians. But either way, it was it was a great tournament. It was really fun to play all those ruffians. And a lot of them are already in the post. Uh, there's only one set left, which is um, for uh, uh, for a friend in uh, Gaten who's in, um, uh, I want to say Switzerland. I, I keep forgetting whether it's Switzerland or... Or, uh, anyway, um, either way, or Sweden, I think it's Switzerland. Um, either way, Gaten, I've said I'll give you that at uh, Aldercon this year, so that'd be exciting. Um Anyway, back to Sam. Sam says, uh, not the Throne of Skulls, maybe in the future. Listening to the clip, I'm not certain, but I think it's in The Prancing Pony when the Eye of Sauron is the next person to speak and they say, I see you. Mm, I don't think you're right there, Sam, uh, but let's have a listen in a second. But first, let's hear from Yell Van Myle. Um, Hi, Harry. I hope you get a chance to see this before your next podcast. For our next local tournament here in the tiny town of Boudel in the Netherlands, we're going to end the day with a Middle-earth-themed quiz. Would you mind if I use a few fragments of your Riddles in the Dark segment for one of the quiz categories? And if not, would you be so kind as to send some of those audio files so I can incorporate them easily? Uh, so, uh, but first of all, apologies um, for missing this, um, because, yes, you absolutely can use them. Um, I, I, yeah, why not? It would be great if you were, uh, were, were to use them. Um, do send me another message, uh, because there's every chance that I've missed the deadline for this. It must be for the ne- next local tournament. Uh, you don't see when the thing is, but I'm guessing it was uh, it was sometime in December, which is when you sent this. Um, so apologies, uh, Yell, but... Um, yeah, anyone can use the riddle in the dark bits for their quizzes because uh, it gives me an advantage in the quizzes. Um, so yeah, but feel free. Uh, that would be great and save me from a lot of effort downloading your episode and finding quick timestamps. Okay, yeah, I don't actually have all the audio. I delete everything after after I've uploaded it because I don't have enough room on my um, my hard drives for uh, for keeping all the bits and bobs. So uh, you'd have to do that, I'm afraid, anyway. Um, but hopefully you do find out and and it goes well. Uh, let me know how it does. Anyway, keep up the good work with your podcast. I didn't mind your attempt to make Eastlings great again. It was nice to listen to Competitive Harry for a change. Oh, okay. Well, hopefully we'll continue that, sort of, um, as the Easterling uh, content continues to arrive and I continue to uh, try my best with it. I will try and um, sp- sort of splatter in other armies as I uh, as I sort of uh, develop through the year. There's there's some Rohan stuff on the way and uh, some other armies, but yeah, it should be good fun. Hopefully you enjoy that. I'm glad to think you someone does. Uh, David Lennon's been in touch. Hi, Harry. Just wanted to say thank you for the content. Eastling episodes have been especially good. Some people have come on today, they found them more competitive, but I found them more narrative as we got to go on a journey with the Eastlings and see them evolve as an army. Listening back to the episodes now that the new releases have been announced, I have a mental picture of Kamal, Amda and yourself desperately striving for wins so you'll have something positive to present to the Dragon Emperor when he arrives at the front to inspect the progress. Best of your look, best of luck, and hopefully the Dragon Emperor appreciates your efforts. David, I really appreciate that. That's a lovely uh, way of phrasing it. Yes, I've been working hard with um, with my Easterling legions, trying desperately to win, and I've been rewarded with the Dragon Emperor. Well, I assume it's a Dragon Emperor. It's not been tr- triple confirmed yet, but I mean, it absolutely is. Um, 
and uh, yeah, and the these new these new cool models which we were talking about earlier. So yeah, really excited uh, for these additions to the force. It's going to make it. Uh, a lot a lot of fun building armies in the future so great uh, now evo bulk has uh, talking about the riddles in the dark he says uh, this is a different one i must say i was clear of course immediately uh, it was clear of course immediately clear in fact that it was the disembodied voice of sauron we were hearing in the clip so i thought it would be quite easy how often do we hear sauron speak in the movies from the sound alone i could narrow it down to the lord of the rings movies it really was just the really distinct sound at the end that i just couldn't quite put my finger on after listening to all the scenes i where i knew sauron would be speaking council of rivendell moran at the moranan at alan hen etc i was so annoyed i couldn't find it that i just decided there was no way around it and i simply had to watch the movies again luckily it ended up being a clip from the first film So there you go. I, I won't go on to read the rest of the email, but you're absolutely correct. He says, once again, thanks for a great podcast and for giving me a good think and for making me watch The Fellowship of the Ring again. Cheers, Alvo. Yes, uh, Evo, well done. You've got it bang on the money. Completely correct. Well done. Um, and let's f- uh, finally finish off with Albert Geordie. Um, so, hi, Harry. Uh, this one was a real doozy. It was the sharp noise at the end that threw me. I searched high and low from Weathertop to Mount Doom. Then I thought it must be from the Hobbit films, which I'm less familiar with. But it was right there under my nose this whole time. It is, of course, the scene where Frodo looks into Lady Galadriel's mirror. The next line is Galadriel's, and she says, I know what it is you saw, for it is also in my mind. I'm, of course, writing to you from our new podcast email address, insert shameless plug here, <laughs> but given that we have modelled our podcast off Entmoot, it seems fitting. Imitation is the highest form of flattery, after all. I do hope you give it a listen and find it mildly entertaining. As always, keep up the good work. Um, so it's uh, yeah, Albert Geordie isn't the person, and um, that's just how it's come up because it, it is Albert and Geordie running the podcast. It's the Two Towers podcast, and um, I have spoken with um, with Geordie and uh, Albert in sort of passing on um, uh, on this podcast and um, just in chat as well, um, and. They have they've done an Australian Entmoot. So um, if you're if you're interested in more kind of tournament based content, they talk a lot about the building of the models and the uh, sort of themes around their armies before they go to the tournaments. Um, uh, then there's, there's another podcast out there for you. I would recommend it. I've only listened to the first two so far, um, which are very good. I'm not sh- I, actually. I think that might may only be two so far. Uh, I know they were hampered by various different lockdowns um, in January. Of, uh, sorry, in Jan- early January and late December in. Um, in Australia, but uh, either way, it's exciting to hear that, that there's going to be reports from uh, people on the other end of the world. So, do check them out. And of course, Albert or Geordie, I don't know who, which. Who, oh, it was Albert who sent it. Albert has got it bang on the money. Here is the answer to the riddle in the dark. I know what it is you saw. Yes, it absolutely was. And I kind of wanted to link that one, not only to uh, the fact that the Vanquishers of the Necromancer were kicking about a lot, so we've got Galadriel in there, but also because, of course, it's the closest bit you get to the scouring of the Shire. 
in um, in the Lord of the Rings films, and um, I really uh, I really wanted to try and connect and give you a vague clue to the fact that in the last podcast, of course, I was running um, Sharky's Rogues and uh, scouring the Shire, and I, th- I I believe from the special features they said at some point in the film um, that those sort of shots from the Galadriel's mirror were some initial um, filming bits of uh, scenes that they were hoping to do for the scouring of the Shire. They were eventually cut. Um, and squished into there so at least they got used in some way which is really cool uh, really clever filmmaking actually that to not just throw those things in the bin and um, still sort of utilize some of that good work great idea um, and it's a little hint a little hint at the scaring of shire which is cool so there you go um but now of course we need to have another riddle in the dark <laughs> There you go. So, who is it who speaks next, and what do they say? That's right. Let's let's have an, another listen. <laughs> who speaks next? What do they say? Let me know. Entmootpodcast at gmail dot com. Entmootpodcast at gmail dot com. If you think you know who speaks next and what they say. <laughs> com. that's the email address so get in touch with your thoughts on that and of course as I've mentioned lots of other bits and bobs end up in my inbox and I always read them at the same time it may be a little confusing for you but hopefully not um, and enjoy please get in touch in particular about those Easterling heroes have you been already formulating lists because um I know I'm already kind of thinking how to squeeze them in. Obviously, we don't have the full results yet or even know when exactly they're going to be coming out. But either way, it's very exciting times that we've got the uh, some new Eastling heroes. It's going to be great. I'm going to be smashing them into a list and taking them to a tournament as soon as I can get my hands on those guys. Uh, and gals, of course. <laughs> I'm going to, uh, excitingly, that, that, first, uh, that first female... Um, uh, female model in a long time that I think I'll be buying actually which is pretty cool right so with that in mind we're going to kind of build an army now what's going to happen next is we've got Dan Stewart from the um, from the uh, Drawn Combat blog and uh, Dan got in touch with me because he was like I don't really know how to do a 500 point army of Easterlings or even with an Easterling Canned Alliance which I've dabbled in and he sort of got in touch, say, well, how do you how do you do this? And also, I want to squeeze some acolytes in because um, I've got them, and I want to know how to do it. So he sent me the challenge of getting as many Easterling acolytes as possible. He has a maximum, or some, he has nine, I think he bought, um, into the list, and then um, building the rest around it. So with that in mind, let's build an army. So, I'm joined by Dan Stewart. Um, welcome to Entmoot, Dan. Um, first of all, um, I've got to know a little bit about yourself. Um, are you a big Easterling fan? Um, what's your situation with the hobby? How long have you been kicking about? Give us your sort of hobby history, especially regarding Easterlings, um, in as, as yeah, sort of, you know, 30 second chunk. Sure, yeah. Um, nice, nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, I think it's, it's fair to say I started out as an Easterling fan and I've sort of gradually pivoted and become more of a more of a chariot fan. My my Easterling thing started a few years ago. Me and a few guys picked up battle companies and, and I, I was drawn to the Easterlings just because of the uh, 
the aesthetics. So yeah, I, I fleshed out my battle company. And then as, as you know how it goes, that, that became, oh no, all of a sudden I've got 1,500 points of Easterlings and I'm, I'm wondering what to do with them next. Uh, so I grabbed a load of chariots and, and over time my, my list at tournaments have become way less Easterling heavy and way more chariot heavy. And now it's really a game of uh, how many hero chariots can I feasibly fit into this points limit while having a, having a functional army. Interesting, interesting. So, uh, just just before we get into uh, the chariots and all uh, and the challenge that we've uh, kind of established for ourselves, and um, uh, what what kind of what kind of balance of an Easterling list are you looking at now? I mean, are are you super competitive with it? Is it is it going to be leaning heavily into the chariots, or is it is it focused largely on the Easterlings themselves? I'd say absolutely not competitive. You know, I've had as we all have, I've had some ups and downs. Uh, especially with the chariots, you know, you're really dependent on a few factors which are often out of your control at tournaments, uh, in particular the scenario and and that heroic move roll-off. But uh, I'd say I, I aim squarely at the middle tables. I'm not particularly uh, a top table chaser. Whether or not that changes in the future, if I if I pivot off to slightly more competitive armies, we will see. But for the time being, I'm still just uh, chasing the dopamine hits of those two those two impact hits. <laughs> so you are you are heavy into the chariots then. I would say, yeah, my my uh, balance from Easterling to Cand has really tipped in favour of Cand in the uh, in the last few years. Ooh, interesting, interesting. So, so with that in mind, um, you you messaged me um not so long ago, but it must have been uh, a few days ago now, maybe a week, uh, and you sort of asked because you'd seen me talking about the Easterling uh, dragon called Acolytes and and right. said uh, and i guess maybe you'd heard some of the podcasts and i've been going on about easterlings and uh, and trying to make easterlings great again um and you sort of you sort of thought maybe that i might be quote unquote an expert which any regular <laughs> listeners will know that i'm not so so you you what was the question what was the task you set me so uh, a tiny bit of background i'm going to a 500 point tournament um at the end of next month and uh, I want to have a decent stab at the best army prize. And I think my best stab at that, not using a lot of models that I've used at that tournament before, is going to be uh, these nine Dragon Cult Acolytes that I've, I'm working on at the moment. Um, so I'm looking to take, hopefully, a Chariot, hopefully nine Dragon Cult Acolytes, and then whatever else I can fit into 500 points to have a, a somewhat functioning uh, army list. Right. Um, so there's the challenge. The challenge, the, the gauntlet has been laid down. It's been thrown down. Um, we want a chariot and we want nine dragon cult acolytes. That's the task, essentially, isn't it? Yes, basically. And, and you it. also don't want to lose all of your games. It would be nice to win one, maybe two. It, it, it's a four-game a four, uh, four game event, so yes, one to two would keep me happy. I think, yeah, I, I'd say I always think at least if it's not a you know a negative loss to win ratio, then that's fine. So we're looking to at least win two games, I reckon. So... With that in mind, you challenged me to come up with a couple of lists, uh, or, or you know, a list at least to to help you out um, in this. And as I say, uh, with massive caveat, people who listen to this podcast re- regularly know I-, I haven't done that myself. So, <laughs> like, I've never won a tournament with Easterlings. I'm still looking for that positive win loss ratio. Um, but we're you know we're, we're sort of trying to include these Dragon Court acolytes because I think I think they're better than people give them the credit for. Bearing in mind. Mm-hmm. There's there's a big new book on the horizon, which we'll talk about a bit later. So um, do you want me to just launch into what I kind of came up with uh, and maybe you can tear it to bits? By all means, yeah, fire away. OK, so you said chariot. I'm going to go with a chariot. That's the first thing I'm going to start with. Um, and not the chariot king. I've been converted on the chariot king. I think mm. the, the, the way to go um, maybe now 
um, after being persuaded by Geordie in Australia, who has spoke to me on a previous podcast about this. I think maybe the way to go is a Candice Chieftain on a Candice Chariot. So you've got the two points of might. Uh, you've got the impact hits. You've got the fight five. You, you lose the strike. Uh, but you gain 40 points so you've and you don't have the banner effect uh, which only affects the candish anyway so so i'm going to go with that and and actually i'm going to get i'm ca- calling in the leader in this army so already at 500 points we've got a, a durable but not the biggest hitty kind of leader yes he's got a chariot um and you know maybe a lower defense lower fight than perhaps you'd expect so already i'm i'm loading you up with a potentially quite weak leader, but we'll we'll carry on from there uh, and add to that warband three Candish horsemen who have all have bows, of course, uh, very cheap, uh, very cheap bows. So I think it's only thirteen points from memory. Um, I, I didn't; I, it's not written down the list, but I think it's thirteen points. So you've got three bows, you've got some uh, fight for cavalry, um, and you know that's that's got some hitting power with axes and all that sort of stuff. So that's your start, um, which is not a bad start, I think, personally, for five hundred points. Bearing in mind, then. We've got two warbands to follow. First warband is going to be an Easterling captain on an armoured horse with a shield. So you've got two points of might there. You've only got fight four, but you've got a decent high strength hero with, you know, it's a cavalry. So he's got some hitting power and some might points in the march and the speed and all that sort of stuff. Then we go from there. We've got three warriors with shield, Easterling warriors, three warriors with pike and shield, um, an Eastling warrior with banner, pike and shield. So we need that banner somewhere because we haven't got the king or Amder in this list. Spoiler alert. Um, one black dragon warrior with pike and shield following that. Then we've got the four dragon cult acolytes. So you, you've got to get some acolytes in there. That was part of the requirement for the list. So next warband and final warband we're going with is an Eastling captain with armoured horse and shield. So yeah, I've gone for it. This is a triple captain list, essentially, which I'm not convinced it's great but we'll see we'll see uh, eastling captain with armored horse and shield uh, so again you've got some hitting power and i found them actually okay they're quite resilient so you never know uh, then we've got a pretty standard uh, warband here three warriors with shield three eastling warriors with pike and shield a black dragon warrior with pike and shield and four dragon cult acolytes i'm sorry but i haven't got the full nine so you've got eight out of your nine dragon cult acolytes you've asked for and the chariot 500 points You've got 29 models, you've got 6 might, uh, a break of 14, and you've got 3 bows in there, plus 8 throwing weapons. And I realise that it's it's definitely got some weaknesses. I, I'll, I'll fess up to that straight away. But I reckon with that number of models, uh, high defence, um, a, a lot of it anyway, uh, yes, there's uh, 11 or so, so about a third of your army's defence 4, but you've got a lot of defence 6, a lot of pikes, you've got a smattering of fight four in there, you've got a banner, you've got captains, you've got a lot of models there. And also, you're not going to come up against anything massive at this this points level. 500 points, if you see a caster, it's probably going to be the only strong or kind of high points thing in the army. And what are they going to immobilise? What are they going to damage? Your chieftain, yeah, so what? You're going to target a captain, so what? It's not going to be worth the 100 plus points that the captain, uh, sorry, the caster's going to cost. And if you're facing up against a big hero, you're going to have a lot more models than them. So if you're coming up against, I don't know, Elrond or or, or Boromir or whatever, you're going to have a lot more models than them because you've got a lot of, uh, and those captain, uh, a lot of uh, uh, troopers, and those captains are going to be able to uh, churn through the troops. So, what do you think to that, Dan? I mean, I, I, obviously, this is 
basic to say the least, but it's got a lot of a lot of toys and a lot of stuff in there, especially with it all has, those. Yeah, it has warriors. got a lot of stuff in. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I must say, it's not very often that you hear a lot of models in an Easterling context. Normally, you're you're kind of struggling to make it up to your to your average, you know. 25 models in a 500 point army um sort of baseline exactly and, um and that's you, you've done well to get those all in that's what i was thinking because i was i sort of was was torn between the idea of throwing in a a a, a dragon knight but then of course you mm -hmm. a you you're restricted with the black dragons so you've got to have black dragons in that warband and they're quite costly and also you're restricted with the number of models you're in that warband so i was thinking I don't think I'm going to get get enough guys in this uh, warband. Maybe if you'd have pushed loads more Candish horse, horsemen into the army, but then it feels more like a Candish army than an Easterling army, and I'm I'm focusing on the Easterlings here. So, uh, do do you think you could do something with that? Do you think it might might work the the captain's captain led force? I think it's workable for sure. And and when I was putting my you know I I put two lists together. One of them is a a kind of chariot heavy crazy list, and the other one is a kind of sensible just Easterling list. And when I was trying to put the, the Just Easterling list together, I realized that the captain does solve a lot of problems that you struggle with uh, in, in freeing up those points to to get your troops in. And, and like you say, it's only fight four, but he is, he is a decent threat that you can't really um, afford to ignore. And, you know, defense six, defense seven with a shield. He's not really going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. And you also I touched on um, so things like Elrond and Boromir. And, and I have found that the Chieftain is a really nice kind of... Um, decent soft counter to those uh, because they, they do, you know, when, when a chieftain decides it doesn't want to go anywhere, they can be a really tricky thing to take off the table. Uh, sure, casters and monsters will will do nasty things to them, but when Elrond or Boromir has only got three attacks, you know, you, you're fishing for a five plus to get that through on through the chariot onto the onto the rider. So they can, you know, you can chuck him into a, a big hero and that, that hero can have a really frustrating time actually trying to um, take him off the table. I totally so while agree. he is only uh, like a captain, you know, 85 points, I think he comes in mm -hmm. with, with the chariot. He's uh, yeah, he can be a tricky, a tricky guy to get rid of. Yeah, absolutely. And as you say, um, you know, monsters and, and big hitters are going to be a pain. But uh, and I, I think the, the great thing about either of those things in this combination, they'll 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 be kind of torn with the idea of, well, do I focus on your, let's face it, cheap heroes? You know, collectively, I think it's 65 or thereabouts points per captain plus the chieftain. That's that's uh, it's a third of the army or thereabouts. And they're going to be spending one hero that's going to be a hundred and something points um, focusing on them. Are they going to do that? Or are they going to try and churn through the troops and break the army, which is going to be just as difficult, especially if you throw a couple of dragon cult acolytes in there with four dice yeah. between them against Elrond, you know, it's, it's only a half and half chance that Elrond gets that six to win the fight. And against an acolyte, a couple of acolytes, it might be, that might be in trouble. So I, I kind of, I kind of rate this and I think it could be, could be okay at this point i'm not going to pretend it's going to be amazing and you might need a bit of practice with it but i think it's got a small chance of doing well because there is a lot of stuff in there especially with those acolytes and you've got a couple of black dragon warriors with a fight for to just to be a bit frustrating against certain armies and yeah it, it, it could do well what, what what do you think do you think, think do you think it's got yeah. potential you're going to give it a go I think yeah, we'll we'll certainly uh, well we'll see if we can get the captains painted up in time. That'll well, be yeah, that'll be uh, objective number one. I suppose but, if you uh, I certainly if, think there's something to it. If you use Captain like French, you, say, when, you could when probably you're do that. Yeah. Above average. Yeah. Sorry, go on. I was just sorry. Yeah, there's a bit of delay on the line, so we're talking over each other a bit. But um, the I reckon if you just use normal cataphracts, 
um, as the captains. Uh, there's no other cavalry in the army, so I think you'd probably be okay with that if you've got them. But um, it's true, yeah. I don't uh, think it's the kind of tournament where I'm likely to get uh, disqualified. Well, I don't, I don't, there's no captain mounted model anyway, so I think you 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 know you can do whatever you want really. That's what I'd say anyway. So and um, yeah, yeah. either way, you've got so that's 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 my idea. You you brought uh, brought uh, a couple of ideas with you as well though. So what? What have you got in the uh, in the tank? And I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of tear it to bits or, or finesse it in my kind of inexperienced way. Well, I think you'll have an easy time tearing it to bits. So where you've taken the challenge and you've leaned into it in a sort of let's try and make this functional, sensible, yes. and and likely to do sort of well. I've sort of leaned in the opposite direction, and I've thought, you know, if we're going crazy on the toys and the nice to have and the cherries on top, let's just um, let's just go all out with that and, and see how far we can take it. Go for it. So uh, we've started with. With Amdur, I find he's a real must-have in an Easterling army, especially if I'm running chariots, which which I am in this list, spoiler alert. But um, particularly in the late game and at the low points limit, Amdur turns into a bit of a monster, assuming he gets to the late game. Um, his, his blood and glory really comes into the four, and so he starts at three might, which is fine. But when, you, when you're in a 500-point event and you're likely to be coming against uh, a lot of fight five heroes, uh, Amdur is just in his element. And towards the end of the game, he can be you know real... Uh, might heroic move battery and if you have a chariot or two uh, along with you they can they can just be fed heroic moves every turn so for me he's he's basically a must he's a real sort of um uh utility hero in, in a chariot list so gone with andor uh, with andor we put uh, the nine uh, dragon cult acolytes you know why not throw them all in more one warband see what happens and just to facilitate that. That, a bit that's of, such um, a flex isn't it nine of them in yeah, one go. A bit of a flex yeah <laughs> Um, and to, you know, facilitate a bit of objective play and a bit of, um, let's try not to die all on the first few turns. I've just chucked in five, um, warriors, Easterling warriors, just with pike and shield. So they can, you know, they can support the fights where they're needed, or, uh, they can run off and, and grab some objectives if it's, uh, one of those scenarios. So that's a 14 model Easterling warband. And then with that, you know, we've just gone a bit crazy. We've put in not one, but two, uh, Candice chieftains with chariot. Uh, and along with those, we've just put three candid horsemen to fill out the points. So that brings us to a, a whopping total of, what are we on, 17 models, 18 models? No, I tell a lie, 20 models. Not terrible, but uh, certainly could could be a lot higher. That, but, um, though that, that is interesting. The, the 20 models, you've got, uh, what is it, four plus three, uh, seven might, plus the um, blood and glory. Um, I, yes. I guess I guess if I was to be mean about it, I'd say, well, the, the, the majority of your army is, is the Acolytes and they are Defence 4, which would concern Correct. me as, as along with the um, the cavalry. But you've got a lot of hitting power. This is uh, this is certainly a, a, you know, hope for the best in the first charge and, you know, throwing weapons do the work. The cavalry does the work. Pike's behind the Acolytes to help them out. And, you know, if that first, first sort of round of combat goes your way, if you hit in the right spot and you impact hits do do a bit of work then yeah you could be looking at a pretty good for example if yours was against my army um you've only got nine fewer models and all of that could be sorted out by you know one good uh or one or two good impact hit runs so and, and a heroic combat of hamda would sort out the captains easily so yeah there's definitely potential there and at 500 points there's not a lot that can you know that can avoid amda or or even as you say a couple of chariots that's it, yeah. So between Andor and the two chariots, you do just you form up this death ball, and it's because of the base size of the chariots, it's a deceptively big death ball. You know that those three models can take up the, the footprint that you know a whole dwarven fighting line might take up. So it can be a, a tricky thing to get through. But um, mm. earlier at the start, when I said the chariots of, of 
taking me through some high and some low times. It's, it's just as you say, you know, it depends on that first couple of rounds of combat. So you're either going to win the game uh, pretty quickly and pretty comprehensively, or, you know, if one chariot or Amdor gets killed, or if either of them don't deliver on the impact hits or, or big crutch heroic combat. You know, I've had it in the past where I've tried to call big key heroic combat on turn two with Amdor, and then you roll, what, three high on five dice, and, uh, and it all your plan all falls to bits. Mm. But, um, yeah, it really is putting a lot of the... Um, the weight of the list is, is on those on those models and it, on those impact hits. And, it is and definitely big, yeah, yeah, uh, heroic combats. All eggs in in Amder's basket, I think. I mean, as much as chief, the chiefs will be useful and be very helpful, um, I think if Amder goes down, this this list is in trouble because because you've I lost. I would a, fully agree. Yeah, you've lost a banner, you've lost three points of might, you've lost your big hitter, and you've not got a lot else. Uh, once you've lost it, you've got 14, 17 models plus the two chiefs. So it, it's looking. It's looking quite desperate. But having said that, if Amder has a good run and, and say, for example, takes out a couple of heroes or a hero at least, then it's suddenly evening the playing field and it could could well go very well. I, 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 you know, I don't, I don't think it's I don't think it's bad. I, I think it could be good. The acolytes definitely hamper this list, whereas I feel like maybe I'm, I'm being um, a bit sort of uh, tooting my own horn. But I feel like in my list, the 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 ac- you're not leaning too heavily on those eight acolytes. Whereas in yours, you're leaning quite heavily on the acolytes. If they don't perform, it, it could all go quite badly as well. Whereas mine, if you lose eight acolytes, you've still got 21 other models to, to lean on. Whereas yours, you've lost most of your army. Yeah, you are spot on. And I, I think, like you say, you know, the, the point of this list isn't the acolytes, which, you know, in, in some ways means I guess I've sort of circumvented my own challenge there. Well, but, um... well it, it, I, I kind of think the opposite. I think the point of your list is you are leaning on your acolytes, which is is the challenge. Whereas mine, I've kind of gone, look, the acolytes aren't perfect. So so I'm making sure that the rest of the list kind of holds up the acolytes and allows them to do the work. Whereas yours is kind of relying on the acolytes. There's a slight different different sort of stress test there isn't there you know on on the yeah, one hand yeah. you're leaning on your acolytes and i'm i'm kind of propping my acolytes up if that makes sense yeah yeah the way well i won't say clicked in my head as if i've, I've come across some big grand revelation which is going to lead me to victory but the acolytes in that list kind of clicked for me when i realized they're not really actually easterlings at all they're just canned uh warriors with a let's call it a three-point upgrade to give them an extra attack yeah, good and shout. And a throwing, also, throwing weapon, really, yeah. they're acting as, as a, a Candish uh, model. Oh yeah, yeah. That when you when you explain it that way, yeah, you you make a point. You, you definitely make a point. Um, I guess that and and in the way anyway that if you're upgrading something to give it an extra attack, it puts more pressure on that acolyte surviving, which um, may, means that you've got to play a lot better with it to to mm-hmm. make it work. Because mm-hmm. you know you've got to be more careful of terrain and you've got to be more careful of shooting. And you've got to be more careful of not getting them into. Tri- uh, uh, silly positions, which which perhaps relies more on player skill than on um, you know just relying on the numbers that I've got. I think my 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 list might be a bit more forgiving in that way. Um, but I you did almost You did say you've got one more list that you wanted to um, to talk about as well. Yeah, let's have a fly through that one. So that was the you know I, that the, the chariot list is my my part of my head list, and this is the the one where you know if I actually wanted to do a little bit better at the tournament, I'd probably be looking to take this one. Okay. So this is a pure Easterling list I'll just rattle through now. So we've gone with Amdur again. Like I say, he's, he's a must-have for me, especially in the late game and at low at low points. That fight six Elven Blade Might Battery is a, is a must-have. And then with him, we've gone for a slightly more conventional Easterling loadout. So we've gone uh, five Warriors with Shield, five Warriors with Pike, Shield, and Black Dragon, and then four Warriors uh, just with Pike and Shield. So you've got your standard um, one, two, three, uh, Pike, 
shield and black dragon loadout you know your, your standard pike block yeah so he's um you know he's just sitting there doing easterling things and then we've chucked in uh, i i took a a leaf out of your book apparently and we've gone for the easterling captain on on the armored horse with the sword uh, he is 60 points yeah not a bad model for 60 points yeah, and absolutely. with him we've got the uh, the nine acolytes so all in one warband you know if i finesse the list a little bit more perhaps we'd swap some acolytes around put some with amdor and take some of the warriors with the captain but uh you know just stick him in the captain for now and then to help out on the punishing power i've just chucked in a easterling dragon knight on armored horse as well Ooh. so to me that's a a slightly more sort of balanced kind of generic easterling list you've got a you've got a few of the um the standard you know the, the the usual suspects from an easterling army we've got the captain on horse which you don't see all the time there's possibly an argument for a war priest instead of him but um you know just chuck the captain in but we're it's... not hurting for a banner because we've got amdur the the one thing which i am denied about a lot here is whether or not to include the wardrum the cataract wardrum which uh I think at 500 points, that's just the point where he stops being a must-take. You know, any any more points than 500, you would almost always want that wardrobe in there. I think at 500 points, it becomes just a bit too much of a, a luxury, so I've taken him out for this list. Yeah, I think... But I that think, comes in... Go on. No, I was, I was going to say, I think I agree with your assessment on the drum. I'm not convinced it's there's enough models in the army to make the march or the, the constant sort of redeployment that you can use the drum for at higher points levels. I'm not convinced that there's enough to justify it i and i don't i don't know but I, I i would suspect with a captain you've probably got enough there mm -hmm. yeah so that comes in at 26 models which is not too bad considering we've got amdor and a dragon knight in there as well and you know might's looking pretty healthy too we've got seven and, and the possible regenerating from amdor as well i i think that's that's pretty solid that 26 models at um at 500 points you've got um three three fewer models than me but you've got two massive hitters um you don't have the chariot um which is not uh, is not massive loss because you've got amdur and a dragon knight which have got enough killing power between them that uh you know that they can tear through stuff like nobody's business so i i, I mean i'm inclined to think your list is is probably better than mine um it, but again it, it does lean heavily on those acolytes again and and the dragon knight and amda well dragon knight in particular is can be very vulnerable to those flash kills where someone you know charges something into it and just gets a bit lucky i've definitely had it happen mm -hmm. where a you know even just a normal model like a i don't know a two two attack model or a cavalry or something like that just manages to squish the dragon knight in one go and it gets really frustrating but Yes, twenty six models with with a solid pike block and and a load of throwing weapons. It's certainly intimidating. I, w I certainly wouldn't be keen on playing. And it, it feels like it's got a lot of stuff at uh, at a small points level. So for five hundred points, that's that's solid. And um, yeah, I think it works. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll get in touch if you if you know uh, if you think you know which one's best of those three lists. So it's my list or either of Dan's list. Amda uh, with the nine acolytes, the five pikes, two chiefs, and three horse, or the uh, uh, Amda's list uh, with five pikes, five black dragons, and five pikes, and captain and acolytes, and uh, the dragon knight. Or or was it mine with the two captains and the chieftain? Um, but while you're still here, Dan, um, and enmootpodcast.gmail.com is the email to send all your feedback to. While you're here, though. I just want to pick your brains on on these things because I found it I find it generally quite hard to build an Easterling list at low points. What do you think? I do. I, I fully agree, and this is why I got in touch with you um, about the acolytes because because it, it's a really tricky thing as to where they fit in. 
So I, I come into it slightly biased when I'm building an Easterling list because I, I almost always have to start with Amdo. You know, he's been he's been great for me in the past. He's also been occasionally shocking for me in the past, but yeah, most most of the time he's a pretty a pretty safe pair of hands. But with the, with the Easterling army, you kind of have to lean into the pike block, and um, it becomes a bit of a, a bit of a burden. I'd, I'd say in any Easterling list, you're looking to spend maybe a third of your points on a decent a decent pike block, and especially at low points, I can really uh, kind of eat into your um your budget for you know your nice to house your your acolytes your chieftains on chariot all mm. the rest of it yeah so i i, I find that I, I almost never have enough points in an easterling list to yeah take I, the i've definitely found that difficult as well the the kind of trying to balance the wanting to take a few cool things or or you know whether it's just because i want them because they look cool like the dragon court acolytes or because i think the army needs them but you i think you're mm -hmm. right I, I you need to dedicate i'd say even more than a third of your army list to uh or your two points cost to the the pike block and i think i've lent more into the troops uh, the more i've played them because mm -hmm. um that that pike kind of is is the unique selling point of the easterlings you know you is, there are yeah, there are very is. few armies that uh, you know Urukai are the only other ones that have pikes and make, you know I guess Lothlorien with the the fight six ones but the um so I think the more I think about it the more I think well this is the unique selling point of the army is that having being able to fight three three ranks deep so kind of leaning into that more and more means that you get the chance to to score the wounds that you perhaps wouldn't do if you were just using them as, as spears you know because they're only strength three they don't have any strength bonus so having three dice against two means that you're more likely to kill uh win and more likely to kill something than than you perhaps should do so i i kind of trying to steer into that a bit more than perhaps i would but then as you've quite rightly pointed out at low points you you've got such a lack of choice that you know you're you you as you've done you you feel like you're kind of pushed towards amder and Amda probably is, I feel like he might be too expensive or certainly too many, um, uh, too much pressure or reliance on him at, at small points. Because if you're spending 155 or thereabouts points on Amda, then you've you spent over a third or thereabouts a third of uh, of your list on him. And, and it could all go tits up because of that. So it, I, I do find it a really tricky balancing act. Yeah, ditto. It's interesting you say you've leaned more into the pipe block. So I've, I've kind of gone the other way. And as time has gone on, you know, I started out with your standard Easterling pipe block. I've kind of leaned away from that. So I, I started, um, you know, when I started out with Easterlings, I, I tried to make the pipe block do the brunt of the work and the brunt of the killing. And then I kind of realized over time that that just wasn't happening and, and they were never able to, um, well, win games, basically. They weren't able to kill enough stuff in time for, for them to, to be worth their points. Yeah. So as time's gone on, I, I've started running, you know, my, my three deep pipe block became a two deep pipe block and then that became... Quite often, you're just a one, a one deep rank of guys that are shielding, just with a few pikes floating in the back. That's interesting. And I've, I've started yeah. to view them more just as a sort of web and net to tie down um, whatever needs tying down while Amdur and, and chariots go and do all the all the fun stuff. That's that is interesting because I've had the ex literally the exact opposite, and as you've you quite rightly pointed out, I, I found that that I've often had a, a hero heavy army, or, or you know, I've had Amdur, the uh, Kamal, and a, a Candish king or something like that and and i've found that my heroes need more kind of backup and they end up kind of getting tied up or or killed too soon and so i've ended up kind of taking away more of those things and leaning more into the troops maybe it's just because easterlings suck i don't know <laughs> maybe that's the reason well, well suck is a strong word it but may, certainly yeah, yeah I'd, I'd class them as a 
let's be generous, a B minus C plus tier army. Yeah, at the moment. I, I agree. I th- and, and I think um, the unexpected podcast on YouTube, uh, the GBHL, uh, sorry, the uh, DCHL podcast t- talked about Eastlings as, as being, you know, having one hand tied behind your back the whole time. And I kind of think that's true. So with, I do agree. Yeah, yeah. With that in mind, um, what what do they lack and what what would we want in the new book that's on the horizon the defense of the north it may well be out by the end of the the week or something like that but hopefully <laughs> hopefully crossed, our, our our predictions are, are you know something way into the future so what would you like to see so what i've found with pike blocks like i say is that they've never quite been able to do what i want them to do and you know you you put all your points into this pike block and you assemble it beautifully on the table you know you've, you've anchored yourself on a couple of terrain features so no one can flank you and and you're all set up for this perfect pike block engagement. And you know, you just a lot of the time you just don't get the kills. You have three models that they're fishing for these sixes, and you expect this to be like a really efficient sort of a grinding combat, and, and it just sort of stalls out, and then your game sort of falls to pieces towards the end. So I think e- even if it's not an increase in killing power directly, I think the pike block just needs something, a little spice, a little special rule to make it um to make it a play style that is worth gravitating towards. And say so you do set up this this really great pipe block engagement. I think there needs to be something in place just to to make sure that you're rewarded for for engaging correctly and engaging in the way that, uh, as you say, Easterlings do according to their USP. Because there is no other army in the game which which has the pipe block as their their one and only thing. Mm. So I think the fact that it's as uh, as kind of anemic as it is is, is a bit disappointing. Yeah, I, t- I so totally agree with that. those rules. Mm. Whether those rules come in the form of, you know, we, we're going to see a legendary legion, we know that for sure. Um, but I think almost what I'd like more than that is for these um, these new named heroes that we think we're getting. You know, it looks like there'll be a special captain and a special war priest. I'd love to see something there which um, just bumps up the efficiency of the pike block and just uh, makes them a bit more of a scary thing to face off against yeah i i think that's right i, I what i would like to see uh, less so perhaps than making the the troops better is to is to make the upgrades cheaper so whether it's you know uh, uh easterling warriors can take pikes for free or or black dragon warrior upgrade is uh, pointless or or something like that just or or that say for example you have a easterling captain that that allows the upgrade of a Black Dragon Warrior to be free in its warband. So you can get like, you know, uh, essentially a, a two point saving off every model. So what would that be over 12, 12 people? That's, you know, about a 25 point um, discount on your uh, your upgrades or something like that, which would give you a banner or would give you a couple of cataphracts or or thereabouts. So uh, that sort of thing I would like. I, I'd, I'd see lots of people have sort of said, oh, I want to have reroll wounds. I want to have them strength four. I want to have them this, that and the other. And I, I'm, I'm with you in the sense that I'd prefer for them to be a slightly more efficient, but I don't think I'd quite want them to be ultra killy because otherwise if you can if you want something a pipe block that's ultra killy go with go with urukai you know you're gonna get a fight four pipe mm-hmm. block with strength four and three attacks then that will do the damage but um i just think that they're just over costed at the moment because you know an urukai with a pike is what 10 points uh it's defense six it's fight four it's strength four and w- black dragons are paying 11 points for um fight for defense for uh defense six and um a pike so it's exactly the same model um, but it's got strength three, and it's you're paying an extra point. So as long as as long mm-hmm. as we have some sort of discount, I'd be happy personally. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think it's no secret that black dragons, in particular, are kind of where the the finger is pointing for models in need of a, a bit of spice. And I, I think yeah, it's accurate to say they're probably you know a half to a point overcosted. Oh yeah, um, but I'm fully I'm fully on the same page. That you know you see a lot of calls for 
um, strength four or fight five or whatever, I'd, I'd be really disappointed. Or, or shield wall is the other one you see a lot. Yeah, I'd be really disappointed to see that as the, the change because it's a very logical change. Sure, it would increase their power, but I think I'd, I'd like to see them be more fun than more good, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally agree. Well, Dan, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, chatting to you. Um, we've we've delved into three army Leicester Easterlings, and maybe that'll help uh, Easterlings be great again. I suspect the the real answer is to how Easterlings will be great again will be in the defence of the North. Uh, but do let me know. I, I'll, I'll send me a message when you've uh, done this tournament, and we'll we'll follow it up and and see how the uh, um, see how your army goes and which one you uh, settle on because it'll be it'll be fascinating to see see which if any of these uh, actually does work and how you get on with it will do thank you very much dan stewart there from the drawn combat blog if you are interested in reading about um uh, the middle of the strategy battle game there's so much stuff there's so much stuff just search for drawn combat mesbg or something uh, to those uh to something like that anyway and um you can find uh, loads and loads of stuff and him and the team have loads of cool stuff as well as painting and pictures and sort of army uh, reviews and list building and all that sort of stuff and um, from kind of beginner up to advanced um, army building which is really cool and um, so highly recommend that with that in mind we're going to squeeze over now um, to um, a bit more kind of army building because we're off on an adventure of sorts, uh, literally just around the road, um, to uh, play a bit of a practice game. I mean, it's not a practice for anything in particular. Uh, it's just to ha- keep, you know, keep my sort of keep my toe in the water of Easterlings and playing games. So uh, I'm going to be playing Harry, um, who has basically said, I want to test out my Lothlorien um, alliance that I've come up with and um, I want to play an 800 point list against uh, army against you so I said yeah sure I'll bring Kamal um, three Easterlings with shield three Easterlings with pike three black dragons with pike three dragon cool acolytes I'll bring Amder on a horse with three warriors with shield three warriors with pike and shield a warrior with a bow three black dragon warriors with pike and shield a black dragon cataphract cataphract with wardroom two other black dragon cataphracts and two acolytes and then a war priest with a warrior with shield two warriors with pike and shield two warriors with bow one easterling warrior with banner pike and shield two black dragons with pike and shield and three dragon cult acolytes i know i rocked through that pretty quickly but um it's a fairly cookie cutter list and we've talked a lot about list building already so i think um, I, I think you don't need a lot and I, um, I honestly didn't put an awful lot of thought into it it's 41 models which is pretty good at 800 points for Eastlings um, it's only got 6 points of might um, which would be really benefited by um, having the inclusion of that new hero that um, that we talked about at the start of the podcast um, I think her name was Rutabi and um, it's got so yeah, 41 models, ace, 6 points of might that's pretty good uh, we've got 6-8 throwing weapons three bows um and amder and kamul so and a war priest so you know i think it has potential but let's find out what harry's bringing after we go on an adventure here mr robo where are you off to i'm already late late for what i'm going on an adventure So we uh, arrive at the end of uh, our game of Heirlooms of Ages Past uh, against Harry West and his uh, Lothlorien alliance. So um, let's just, first of all just talk, talk me through, Harry, uh, your, your army, because we've got 800 points to spend and um, that's quite a lot of Lothlorien you can squeeze in there. What, what have you done with the list? 
So Lothorini is quite like my staple army. So I normally take um, Celeborn all kitted out with his heavy armor, shield, and um, his sword. And then I take uh, the twins with uh, Rumil and Haldir, um, giving Haldir the extra um, heavy armor and the bow. And then I allied in um, Gwahir to give a little bit of movement as well as um, more, more beef in the army, I, I feel, instead of taking Galadriel. Yeah, there's some there's some real hitting power there, uh, and and also your your uh, troops kind of uh, layout is is a bit sort of unconventional as well. You've gone basically a front line of of normal Galadrim, and then uh, the Galadrim court as a back line. You've got quite a lot of Galadrim there, a uh, Galadrim court. So oh, sorry, guard of the Galadrim court, whatever it's called. Um, so a lot of fight six in the army. So what you must have been ten or eleven or maybe more. Yeah, I took ten. I'm I'm not a fan of bows, and funny enough, I take four as well as Haldir, and they killed nothing all game, so it just proves my point. Mm. Um, but yeah, I have I used to take um, spears with um, shields, and with um, the Galadrim court guard just being one point extra, I thought I'll drop all of those and try and fit in more um, pikes to make it higher str- uh, strength value, oh, just right, yeah. just so it would be a little lot lot harder for somebody to smash through my lines. Yeah, and by gosh, uh, does that that prove effective? I mean, first of all, it was a, a maelstrom a battle mission, and so uh, I I thought, oh, okay, this could could help me out a lot because it might you know leave one of your perhaps smaller warbands like Haldir and his four or five um, bows uh, on a flank. And um, you went first, so you rolled. I think both uh, two of your warbands came on, but then two of them didn't come on for quite a while but it did pretty much end up being a pitched battle I mean we, we both kind of ended up roughly where we wanted it just delayed the start and uh, we rattled through those early turns with a bit of movement and um, then then Gwaihir and uh, Gwaihir turned up a bit later and and I, I feel like you were you were perhaps maybe playing it cautious or, or had a grand plan with the uh, uh, with the big bird what what was your plan with Gwaihir because he didn't do a lot in those early stages so I've only played him a few times, so I'm still learning um, how to use him. But normally I try and get him round the flanks and come round the back. But because you outnumbered me by quite a large amount, I found it difficult to find areas where I could pick off one or two and possibly reduce your army size by by doing that. Mm-hmm. So I tried to keep him away until I got my other elves into more combats and I could... Um, lose a uh, priority to then possibly pick off more guys like that but I, I think I do need to get him into more combats earlier well well yeah I, I suppose you were uh, cautious and, and uh, rightly so of Amder and, and the Kamul combination that could have easily uh, you know trapped him in some way and, and magicked him and you know immobilized him and you know killed him off with a strike or so but um, but yeah I, I think I, at first I thought you were playing it badly but I think your caution actually um, helped win the game because he he flapped around because uh, the way that aliens often works is you, you have these six objectives and you know we flip over uh, most of them and leave one each and that kind of is what happened we had each waiting at sort of a Mexican standoff of who's going to uh, try and pick up their objective to to see which one is the actual objective so so what happened was we we just left two of them one on my side of the ga- uh, board and one on your side um untouched for most of the game until guy here flapped around and um t- got mine once my line had kind of dwindled a bit and moved uh, too far forward and and then it left the objective on your side of the game um which i think 
really helped out because a it meant that you've, I've got a massive bird to deal with there behind me, but also who is your leader, um, and also um, it meant that I had to crack through a line of fight six elves to to get to the main objective, which which was really tricky. Um, but uh, I, I think that when I made some perhaps early uh, early mistakes because I was very conscious that. I needed to capitalise on um, Gwai here not being there early on and, and sort of threw Amder and um, Kamal in and got, got some early kills but, but eventually kind of got trapped behind a wall and it didn't quite work out. And just, do, do you think I, I kind of should have played it more cautiously with those, uh, with those big heroes early on, especially considering you've got so much fight six everywhere? I, I think so. I think with jumping Amder over the uh, wall with... Um with my three foot heroes really close together, I was going to capitalise on the sense that if you didn't charge me in certain areas, I wanted to push them into combat to just annihilate him. And then when you moved um, Kamal into combat on his fell beast behind my lines, I thought, right, that's all my pikes going to mm. come off as supports and just try and swamp him. Um, and, I, and, and in that end, I just thought, oh, maybe that was a bit too overplayed in movement wise but yeah i think i think i made a bit of a mistake there i mean uh, the initial move worked i got the uh, i basically sent uh, amdo and kamal onto one guy uh, and set up a a dream of a, a hurl, which which paid off. I got four kills off that, uh, and heroic combated so that Amda could uh, get away from the heroes in the initial uh, sort of step, and and sent Kamal off to uh, to be protected. I think what what I didn't then count on was was that maybe not that first turn, but I think it was two or three turns down the line that uh, I was then in a really pretty poor position with Amdo. I was trapped against a wall. Um, I, he was kind of blocking. Um, the, the room for any of my guys to come round and, and you just just managed to push up your guys enough to to mean that Amdo was pretty much on his own and although he was probably the better fighter of uh, all the people he was fighting against and um, once he'd run out of might he was uh, he was in trouble and he did go down eventually and and that Kamal you mentioned the the Kamal was behind the lines taking off the the pikes I kind of forced I had to, I kind of forced myself into that making that decision because Amdo would have died the first or second turn, I think it was, that he was there. Um, so I took off some uh, pikes, which worked. Uh, it gave Amdo some precious time, but it, it wasn't enough. Uh, and eventually it meant that both of the big heroes went down. And after that, it was largely a kind of a, a war of attrition, which with with your higher fight value and... Um, you know, still a considerable number of heroes in the in the, the battle meant that I think you were, you were going to win that war. Yeah, I think with playing with a wall in front of me and having my army being able to be split into two and then um and then just holding back while I was trying to deal with your bigger heroes mm-hmm. I think helped tremendously yeah that little wall I mean it's only what three and a half four inches long and and it's only an inch tall or whatever and it's just randomly in the middle of this uh, this this board um but it proved absolutely instrumental in terms of uh, you know me losing and you winning I think there um, and you know I, I, I'd, I'd like to think that I had a couple of chances to, to win it back um, if I'd have won a couple of um, heroic move-offs but I think I was they were probably desperate moves if they were uh, if I'm being generous that maybe if I'd have got one of the moves off I, I could have pushed forward and brought uh, Amder and the rest of the guys away and around that wall but I think it was um, and I lost I think two in a row which meant that uh, that I uh, yeah I was stuck in stuck in that position and and to my doom uh, unfortunately and 
but I mean, uh, the reason we're, we're talking about this uh, n- separate from a tournament is because I'm I'm still trying to make Easterlings work, and I'm a bit out of practice, so I definitely made some mistakes that I p- might not have done um, a couple of months ago. But do you do you think this army has potential, and, and what do you think should there uh, should have been in my Easterling army to to give it a bit more clout, I suppose? I mean, I think the Dragon Knights probably having more heroes to um, have more might because I had twelve and you only had six. Yeah, that's big. So I think just that, just having that big difference was a lot. I mean, me personally, I don't take drums when I play my Easterlings because once you're moving up anyway, just moving up quicker, I think, isn't worth the points when you could have even more guys or another hero. Yeah, they weren't great in this scenario. I, I'll admit, and I, I probably could have. Uh, done a trick redeploying my guys a bit more but I, I just never got the chance to do it I suppose but yeah th- th- those are good points I think I definitely needed more might and that is constantly an issue with um, uh, with with Easterlings I mean they try and get some of their might, might back like Amda had a had a pop at it but against defence 7 Rumil with his um, parry rule which is really frustrating to play against um, I, I was probably on a hiding to nothing to, uh, to, to get some might back off him so May, yeah, maybe maybe if I'd have uh, rather than sort of adding a hundred points worth of of troops and cavalry to my um, to my seven hundred point list, which I've used in the past, I could have probably gone with a captain and some more guys, or or uh, maybe a dragon knight, and then uh, an extra two points of might could have been enough to just help me uh, get some momentum back in in the early stages. But it's still a work in progress. I, I think those forty one models would have really or forty models would have really helped in. Um, in a different scenario, perhaps, or or in uh, certainly again in a different matchup. But yeah, uh, the fight six uh, pike line is pretty tough, and throwing in um, Guai here with all that movement, all that power, um, is is a really fearsome uh, fearsome list there. I mean, you've you've twelve nilled me, um, so that's that says a lot. But um, how many models did you have in the force? It must it still looked like quite a lot. I think it must have been nearly thirty, was it? Yeah, it was uh, thirty two models, mm. and uh, I think although look when we first matched up, I think you had like 40 something so I, I was a bit worried with that's the problem with taking um such pricey model um with it being gua here but i think it paid off in the end but i think it was down to partly the wall and maybe the scenario that mm. helped me more yeah that bloody wall uh, <laughs> either way uh, it was a, it's a cracking game and and i think it's, it's good to get get my practice back in uh, with the eastlings ahead of some uh, some more tournaments and uh, games in the future the project continues there you go, Harry West uh, with his Lothlorien force, which absolutely pummeled me into the ground. Uh, the mission didn't help at all, I'll be honest. Um, having uh, having to sort of focus on one um, heirloom of ages past, that didn't really help. But I think I was just out of practice, and I kind of hoped to get a bit more momentum early on with my heroes before Guayhair arrived. And that, it worked a little bit, but then um, there's just that, there's this little tiny wall in the way which just got really annoying i think i needed to use my drums at one point just to withdraw and pull back but because the guaje was threatening um sort of in the rear i was a bit reluctant to kind of move back too much so uh absolute massive loss um there but as i say it was just a friendly not a competitive um army and i didn't really sort of put a lot of thought into building the list i just sort of threw an extra few points onto my uh, my list but either way lots more to think about with, with the new models so um i've been a sort of thread through this podcast has been the release of the new easterlings i'm really excited um about the potential for new easterlings i'm going to be t- uh, taking easterlings to another tournament very soon 
uh, which will of course uh, try and do a podcast on. I, well, I say try, I will because I've been a bit lax on them over the last month or two. Um, so I'll do a, a podcast on that, but I doubt that they'll be out in time for that. So uh, sadly, it'll just be a sort of probably the last hurrah for um, these kinds of lists uh, packed with Amder, Kamoland, Priests, um, which I think is probably my combo that's that's working best for me at the moment. Um, I might try and throw in a, a, a Dragon Knight if I can. Maybe I should drop the War Priest and throw a Dragon Knight in again. There, but it's just so annoying to build the rest of the army. Anyway, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'll leave this for another uh, build my, building an army of Mordor segment for the next podcast. In the meantime, uh, do get in touch about all of these Easterling things. What do you think? I'm really keen to know your feedback. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com. I'll have the riddle in the dark at the end of the podcast as ever, so you can have a, another little listen and have a listen on loop if you want to uh, and send in your answer to the riddle in the dark. And I will see you next time on Entmoot. Boorarum. Boorarum.